apps can do a lot of cool things. You could order dinner, gamble on your favorite team, and track your health. You could even get a mortgage. One click and you can be approved. I'm not sure by who or what country they're in. You deserve more from the mortgage industry. At AnyMac Home Mortgage, we believe in the need for live human interaction during a very complex process. The kind of service and guidance which an app simply can't provide. Our customers are more than credit scores and income documents. They're individuals and families who live in and strengthen our communities. Their story is our story, and that story begins in a home. Chris Sawyer is an expert on providing superior customer service and in meeting the mortgage needs of current and future home buyers. With over 18 years of experience in the industry, Chris is able to help customers migrate through the home buying and home financing process by using his wealth of knowledge as a well-qualified mortgage professional. And best of all, Chris is located in Cromwell, Connecticut, where he has helped hundreds of clients in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island make their dreams of home ownership a reality. Visit chrissawyer.annie-mac.com, email him at csawyer at annie-mac.com, or give him a call, 860-878-8730. Chris Sawyer, NMLS number 39345, corporate NMLS number 338923, Home Mortgage, and equal housing lender. American Neighborhood Mortgage Acceptance Company, LLC, DBA, Annie Home Mortgage, Lo-Fi Direct, Connecticut First Mortgage Correspondent, License Lender, Broker Number, ML 338923, Massachusetts Mortgage Lender, and Mortgage Broker License Number, MC 338923, Rhode Island License Lender, License Number 20112810L. Call for additional details. Jones on first down, wide open, it's Barkley, and Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is his availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is, since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this, they lob it to him, he taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball, hands down. Finch, two for three, he's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not they're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the race, and the race do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. Welcome to Sports Talk with RJ. I'm Steve Risser, along here with Justin D'Onofrio. And the NFL draft is upon us. It's tomorrow night in Las Vegas at 8 o'clock Eastern. Uh, and uh, for the second year in a row, the Jacksonville Jaguars have the number one pick. And, you know, you would think the Jaguars would go with the sure thing in Aiden Hutchinson. I thought last week Aiden Hutchinson was the consensus number one overall pick. But seeing the odds now, it looks like Trayvon Walker is going to be the number one pick. And in my mock draft, and for the, for the first pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars – I have them selecting Trayvon Walker, and I'm not the biggest fan of this because I think if you're the Jaguars, you're going uh, potential overproduction here, and and, and that's a problem because Trayvon Walker was not even voted All-SEC, and he's going to be the number one overall pick. Most guys that are drafting the first round, they were at least All-Conference. This guy wasn't even All-Conference. He's going to be the number one overall pick. So uh, I got Trayvon Walker. I think they should take Aiden Hutchinson here, but it looks like the Jaguars are going to take – uh, Trayvon Walker with the number one overall pick. And in my mock draft, I got the Jaguars taking Walker with the number one overall pick. Justin, who do you got the Jags taking? I got him going offensive lineman. I got him taking Evan Neal. And I know, yeah, it sounds like they're going Trayvon Walker here. But I think if you if you want – I know they tried to upgrade that offensive line. I know they just signed Cam Robinson to extension this morning. But still, I think you need to get better in that line. You kind of saw Lawrence really struggle, you know, last year getting protection. I think Evan Neal is a, is a guy coming here, do a really good job because he played all five positions. He 
or, you know, he played both guard spots. He played both tackle spots. He even played center at Alabama. So he's a guy, I think, you know, he can move around anywhere in that offensive line. Um, he did a really good job, you know, and he brings, he comes in and brings a winning culture going to playing at Alabama. And um, so I, I think actually Jacksonville should go offensive lineman here with, with Evan Neal. And again, you want Lawrence to be your franchise quarterback for the next decade plus. You want Evan, you know, you want to bulk up that offensive line. Yeah, they did franchise Cam Robinson, but you definitely want to definitely want to bolster that offensive line. Evan Neal would be a great pick there. Really, knowing how poor the Jaguars roster is, any of these picks would be good picks. I mean, the Jaguars need help everywhere, so I wouldn't be surprised where they go. It's a, it's a weird year, you know, in the first round. They really, they, there isn't that consensus number one pick. The Jags could really take one of like eight guys with the one of like eight guys with the number one overall pick, but. You know, I got Trayvon Walker. You got Evan Neal. So it should be very interesting to see what the Jags do at number one. But the Lions are number two. And for the Lions, I think they're going to be happy if the if the Jags don't take Aiden Hutchinson because I think it's pretty obvious who they're going to take here. They're going to take the kid from Michigan. Their defense was absolutely, ter- absolutely terrible last year, and they need an edge rusher. Aiden Hutchinson had a phenomenal year at Michigan with 14 sacks last year. He was a first-team All-American. Probably the biggest reason why – the Wolverines got to the college football playoff uh, last year. I mean, he's, he's a really good pass rusher, and he would really help on that Lions defense. That's why with the number two overall pick, I got the Lions taking Aiden Hutchinson. Justin, do you agree with me that the Lions should take Aiden Hutchinson number two overall? I do. I I also agree that Lions should take Aiden, Aiden Hutchinson here at number two. He, you know, he's 21 years old. I think he's still got some room to grow here. And – you know, two of his biggest games of the season were against Ohio State in that big game, you know, final week to get in the Big Ten Championship game, and then Iowa as well in the Big Ten Championship game. So, um, you know, he played big spots. I know he struggled with the Georgia game, but, it, you know, that, you know, it, it, but um, other than that, he played really well. You know, he's still, you know, really, he's still developing his inside moves and all that. But, yeah, I think he's another guy, you know, coach Michigan, played in Michigan, goes to Detroit you know, good culture. I, I think he'd really help as you mentioned too. D- Detroit's defense last year is horrible. They really showed that the quarterback Aiden Hutchinson will help you improve in that, ca- in that category. Absolutely. 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 So with the number three overall pick that goes to the Houston Texans. And I've been hearing a lot of rumors about Derek Stingley in that spot, but I'm, but I'm thinking if they're going to take Derek Stingley, why wouldn't they just take a mod Gardner? He's, he's as dur- he's, he's, he's more durable. And I think he's as good. He didn't even allow a touchdown last year. Granted, that was in the AAC. But still, he didn't allow a touchdown last year. Alabama completely avoided him in that college football playoff game. The biggest reason why Alabama was able to move the ball against uh, against Cincinnati was because uh, Brian, Rob- Brian Robinson ran for over 200 yards. So Alabama completely avoided him in that, in that, in that uh, college football playoff game. So I think the smart move for the Texans should be, I think they should take Ahmad Gardner, number three overall. And I have the Texans taking Ahmad Gardner, number three overall. But, Justin, it looks like you got the Texans uh, beefing up on that defensive line. Yes, they do. I got him taking KV on Thibodeau from Oregon. You know, he, he's a guy that when, you know, he disappears at times. That's kind of been one of his flaws. But when he when he's engaged and all that, he's got great explosive himself ball. Uh, you know, and he's pretty good, too. You kind of, if you want to drop him back into coverage, you know, I think Houston as well needs to really improve that defense. I think they can go, you know, secondary or, or edge here. Oh, so Houston, Houston's, like, Houston's like a Lions, a Jaguars, a Jets. One of the worst yeah. rosters in football. They can go anywhere. Yeah, they could. And, you know, I think trying, you know, yeah, good. and even off the line, they could go help out Davis Mills. They can go any, any, anywhere. But I think, you know, right now, 
best player probably on the board at number three in my mock drafts would be Kevion Thibodeau. I think you get, I think you take that guy, bulk up that defense, and you know, get some pass rushing going because they really didn't have that at all last year as well. Absolutely, absolutely. As we've said, the Texans could go anywhere with this pick. Thibodeau, he was good in college. He wasn't great in college, but he, I think he's the player that has the highest ceiling of anybody in this draft. Yeah, absolutely. I think he could kind of turn into a guy, you know, like a Miles Garrett type guy. Like, I, I think he could be that good. You know, he was supposed to be like the consensus number one guy going into the year. It's just, you know, I know he's injured for a little bit and it's the problem has been for him is he just disappears at times. And if he can kind of play all the snaps and kind of be engaged all the time, I, I think he's going to be a really tough out for offensive line to, you know, you're going to have to play against him on the offensive line. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's just he's gonna be he's gonna be a he's gonna be a top player. Top player. It should be if if he uh, if his potential matches up with his production, he's gonna be a top player in this league. He'll be he'll be an all pro, and that's why at number four uh, with the Jets, I have them selecting Kayvon Thibodeau with the number four overall pick. I feel like uh, the Jets' defense was absolutely terrible last year. They need an edge rusher. They do have Quentin Williams as an interior, uh, playing defensive tackle, but they need an interior. They need a, they need an edge rusher. So I, I I think the Jets, Kayvon Thibodeau would be a great great choice for the Jets. Even though the Jets could obviously they're another team, especially on the defensive side of the ball, they can go anywhere. I got the Jets with the number four overall pick, pick taking Kayvon Thibodeau. Justin, you got him taking a defensive lineman as well. Yeah, I got him taking Trevion Walker, your number one pick. Um, yeah, I think yeah, you mentioned the Jets pretty much go anywhere. Um, anything to get it still a little bit better, still kind of interior as well, the Jets. And, um, you know, Walker is a guy who's really good at stopping the run. Um, you know, still got to get some better pass rushing moves. He, he's not great in that yet, but I, I think he's got the potential to be really, really good in that. Um, but he's really good at stopping the run, and that's something the Jets really struggled with last year. Um, so I like the Jets here getting Travion Walker, number four. All right, now to my team at the number five overall pick. They got two first-round picks. Uh, they got the fifth pick and the seventh overall pick. So with the fifth overall pick, Joe Shane has said he's going to take the best player available. Need might need is probably not going to matter. But looking looking at the, at this draft, what the Giants definitely need is an offensive tackle. They they definitely need a tackle with one of these two picks. And I just don't think I don't I don't think uh, Iki Aquanu. I don't think anybody really is better than Iki Aquanu at at this stage. So that's at this point in the draft. So that's why. I got my Giants taking Iki Aquanu to pair up with Andrew Thomas. They need a tackle. I think this is a pick that's that's really going to help this offensive line. So I I, I got Iki Aqu- my Giants taking Iki Aquanu with the number five overall pick. Yeah, same with me. I got Iki Aquanu out of NC State going number five to your Giants. Trying, they've been trying to fix that offensive line the last five years. I think it's another good addition to help kind of further that along. He only gave up three sacks and four hundred seventy six passes past um you know, pass blocking snaps last year. So, he, you know, he's really good at protecting the quarterback. Um, and he's really good against – and people say he's even better against in the running game than he is in the passing game. So, I, I think, yeah, for the Giants here, um, best guy on the board, E.K. Aquanu um, here going to Giants number five. To, you know, again, trying to figure that off the line, which has been a problem for the last few years. Yeah, absolutely. They need to get this off. They don't need to be great on the offensive line. They need this offensive line to be competent. You got to see what Daniel Jones can do with not a great offensive line, but a competent offensive line. The line has got to be competent to see if Daniel Jones is going to be your guy in the future. That's why Aquanu makes a ton of sense for the Giants at number five. 
at number six, this is where it gets interesting for the Panthers because I could I don't know if they're going to make this pick at six, but there is a good chance the Panthers are going to take a quarterback with their first round pick. I don't know if they make it at six because there's a good chance they trade down, but I I I think with this pick, and this is going to shock some people, I got the Panthers taking Kenny Pickett out of Pittsburgh with this pick. Kenny Pickett, he doesn't have a he doesn't have a lot of upside, but I feel like he is the most sure thing in this draft at the quarterback position. This is a terrible quarterback class. It's probably one of the worst quarterback classes in eight or nine years. But Kenny Pickett, to me, is the most sure thing. The Panthers need a quarterback. Sam Darnold is not the guy. He proved that last year. I hate saying it because I was a Sam Darnold guy for, since he got drafted, but he's not the guy. So I think with this pick, I got the Panthers taking Kenny Pickett. Yes, Pickett does not have a ton of upside, but he's gotten a lot of Kirk Cousins comparison. So if you put a lot of guys around him, he could be successful. So with the number six overall pick, I got Kenny Pickett. Justin, it looks like you got the Panthers passing on a quarterback. Yeah, I originally did that pick and I changed it because I was hearing the same things that they may draft down, they may trade down. So I was like, uh, you know, so if they go at number six and they can't find something, I think it's Charles Cross, the offensive lineman out of Mississippi State. They're so bad at pass protection last year. Charles Cross coming over from an air raid offense at Mississippi state. And he only allowed three sacks last year, over 682 pass attempts that Mississippi state had last year. Um, he's got very long arms, which helps, you know, on, you know, against the edge guys. Um, and, you know, and I, I think he's another good addition for Carolina because they just really, really showed last year protecting their quarterback. Um, you know, I know they, you mentioned Sam Darnold has not been great, but he got something around him, you know, some offensive line help. You could say healthy, maybe some, maybe you can find something in them. So I got them taking Charles Cross at number six. Yeah, yeah, yo, yes, yes, yes. Carolina, that offensive line, it just was a major issue last year. If they're not going to go quarterback, I think they're definitely going offensive line. I think I think you can count on that. So now back to my Giants with the number seven overall pick, and uh, I was lo- looking at who they would get with this selection. I was looking at maybe an edge rusher, but I got them taking the best player available here. And I got them taking Kyle. I know they already have Xavier McKinney, but I got them taking Kyle Hamilton out of uh, out of Notre Dame. I think the kid's going to be an out. He's got a lot of. He's got a good size for a safety. He could stop the run. He could. He could. He could. He could stop the run, and he could cover. I think he's going to be a really, really good player in this league. And the Giants right now, who are rebuilding, I feel, feel like Kyle Hamilton and Xavier McKinney could be a great pair of safeties going forward for them. So, I have the Giants at number seven taking Kyle Hamilton. Yeah, I'm going uh, secondary as well, but I got Amani Gardner out of Cincinnati. Um, he actually did not allow, you know, I know you mentioned he didn't allow a touchdown all year, um, but he he actually did not allow one his entire career. Um, oh, at wow. Cincinnati. Yeah, oh, so wow. over 1,000 um, snaps that he had. He, he, so he's been great. You know, he's physical. But, again, that can lead to penalties, but he plays physical. Um, he's a confident guy. I think, you know, the Giants want to bring some swagger back on that defense side of the ball from two years ago. Um, I think Gardner could bring that. I think Gardner could be your number one corner. Um, I think the Giants here, I do think with you, I think they go secondary here at number seven. They don't at number five. Um, and I got them taking Gardner. Yeah, because and that's smart to have you to have them taking Gardner if he's available because there's a very good chance that the Giants are going to cut James Bradbury or try to train trade James Bradbury because his cap hit is just too much and he wasn't Joe Shane's guy. So I think there's a very good chance the Giants do cut bait with, uh, with uh, James Bradbury. So Ahmad Gardner would make a lot of sense here. And he's a good man corner. And Wick Martindale, the defensive coordinator, likes a lot of man coverage. Yeah, he does. You know, and, and yeah, so the, he does. And I think, you know, maybe Martindale's guy, because 
you know, Baltimore too, they seems like they've always got some physical um, cornerbacks as well. So I, I think he'd fit that. Um, I, I think he'd fit the, um, I think he'd fit kind of the scheme here that Giants would want to play. So yeah, I, I think it would be a really good addition if he is sitting there at number seven. Absolutely. 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 So with the number eight pick that goes to the Atlanta Falcons, and this is another team with, with the, they're, they're a bottom five roster right now. They're a bottom five roster with the Jets, the Texans, the Lions, the Jags. I mean, the Giants did have a top, you know, they have two top 10 picks, but a big reason why the Giants are, I'm not making excuses as a Giants fan, but the big reason why the Giants are picking where they're picking is because they had so many injuries last year. I mean, they, I mean, they're definitely, they definitely have a better roster than the, than the, than, uh, than, than, the, than, the, than the Falcons, the Jets, the Texans, and the Jaguars. So, But with the Falcons pick, they could go a lot of places here. They can go edge rusher. They could go uh, They can go offensive line. But I think with, with Calvin Ridley being suspended for the season and the fact that you might draft the top quarterback next year, you want to get him a receiver. And that's why I got the Falcons taking Garrett Wilson, number eight overall. Guy's got a ton of speed. Great route runner. The only issue is size, but a great route runner. Got a ton of speed. I think he's going to be a really, really good receiver in this league. That's why at number eight overall, I got the Atlanta Falcons taking Garrett Wilson. And, Justin, it looks like you agree. Yep, I'm with you, Garrett Wilson. I'm with you. Get the wide receiver this year. You know, wait for the quarterback next year and get it. You know, go get the quarterback in next year's draft. Yeah, he's great. He's, he's so electric. He's a special player. Uh, I, I'm with you. I think he's going to be a special talent here. As long as Atlanta could get him decent quarterback – you know, Atlanta's got zero offense. Well, besides Kyle Pitts, there's not much talent that this offense has right now. I think Garrett Wilson is going to help that out a little bit. Um, and I think he'd be an exciting player for Atlanta because there's not going to be much hope, especially in that offense next year. But Garrett Wilson and Kyle Pitts um, could be two exciting young players for Atlanta to look at, look at in the future. Absolutely. 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 With the number nine overall pick, and this, was, this would have been the Broncos pick, but the Seahawks got this pick because they traded Russell Wilson. The Seahawks are another team with a bad roster in the top 10. They're another team with a bad roster, and this is another place where they could go probably anywhere on defense. They could probably, outside of the skill positions, they they could have, they, they definitely need to, I feel like they definitely need to address their offensive line with Jermaine, with them not, they haven't signed Dwayne Brown yet. They really don't have a good offensive line at all. And that's, and that, but that, and that's where I got them going. I got them going offensive line because I think this offensive line is bad. And they, and if they're going to get a quarterback, a new quarterback in the next year or two, they need to be able to protect them. So I think with this pick and, and this and at this stage, I think this is the best guy available at nine. I got the Seahawks taking Evan Neal with the number nine overall pick. Justin, looks like you got them addressing their secondary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going secondary here, Derek Singley Jr. out of LSU. I think he kind of fits what Seattle wants to bring defensively. Um, he's really good at man coverage. Does struggle at times to get off his blocks though. In that, um, now they, they, he's had some injury concerns over the last couple of years. But you can see on the field, he's a really talented cornerback. You know, Seattle's going to need that as their secondary, you know, it's kind of fall apart the last couple of years. Um, but I think he'd be a special talent at the cornerback spot. And I have Seattle upgrading their defense. Yeah, they, 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 again, they're, 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 I think outside of the bottom, that the teams in the bottom five, they're, they, they have one of the worst rosters in the league right now as well. So I, they, I, I very, I very easily could see them taking Derek Sting. I very easily could see them taking a corner. They could either go anywhere on defense or offensive line for me. But with the number 10, with the 10th overall pick, a pick that the Jets got uh, from Seattle, this, this, this would have been Seattle's pick, but the, when, the Jet, when the Seahawks traded Jamal Adams and the Jets, the Jets got this pick. Uh, I think it's obvious where the Jets are going here. There's, but there is a good chance that the Jets trade for Debo Samuel. This is going to be the 49ers pick. But there's a very good chance 
they're, they're, I think this is very, there's a very good chance that the Jets give up this pick. But if the Jets have this pick, I think it's obvious where they're going. They've been in the market to try to get a receiver. They struck out on Tyreek Hill. They're trying to get Debo Samuel. But if they have this pick, I feel like the Jets are – it's pretty obvious who they're going to take because Garrett Wilson's off the board. I feel like they're going to take Drake London. 6'4", got a ton of size. He's going to be really good in the red zone. you got to put Zach Wilson in a position to succeed. And I feel like you got to get Zach Wilson this weapon. He a great – I mean, he's, he's been compared to Mike Evans. That's a great comp. I think he's going to be a really, really good receiver in this league. He had over a thousand receiving yards and only played eight games. And when, and, and after he's and after he stopped playing for USC, they didn't even win a game. So I think Drake London makes a ton of sense. Number ten overall, the Jets. And Justin, it looks like you agree. And I think in a lot of mock drafts, this is what this is what a lot of people have. This is probably the most common pick in every mock draft. Yeah, you know, this year there's there's not many. You know, usually there's a couple of surefire. I think not this year, but yeah, this has been. Probably one of the ones I think he definitely fits. He can fly down the field. And Zach Wilson, I think he's he's much better at deep ball accuracy. And I think Drake, Drake London can fly down the field. Yeah, he had an unbelievable year, you know, eight games. And, you know, he was probably if he stayed healthy, he had probably a shot to get to New York and be like on the Heisman watch there. I don't think he would have won it, but I, I think he could have been kind of sitting there and been close. Um, but yeah, I think he's ready to be a number one wide receiver as long. It sounds like everything coming off the ankle injury, broken ankle, sounds like it's, you know, he's doing good and all that. So I think he'd be a number one guy next year for him. Him and Elijah Moore could really help out Zach Wilson this year. Again, yeah, and you mentioned the Jets. It seems like, you know, Jets were really in the market this offseason for a wide receiver. They don't get something with Debo Samuel in the next, you know, 24 hours or so. Yeah, I think it, straight London goes here. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and, yeah, it makes so much sense, too, is because Elijah Moore's a number two. He's a slot receiver. This guy's a number one receiver. So this would make so much sense if it, London's there. This is the most sure I am of any pick in the draft. If, if the Jets have this selection and London's there, I'm. this is the most sure I am of any pick in the draft that, that, that it's going to happen. But with the number 11 pick, pick, the Washington Commanders, I mean, this is a team they could address receiver. I say receiver or secondary for this team. And I got them in the, addressing I got them addressing the secondary, and I got them taking Derek Stingley. Yes, this is a boomer bust player. I think outside of Trayvon Walker, this is the most boomer bust player in this draft. We all remember his freshman year. We thought his freshman year, this guy as a junior was going to be the number one overall pick. But he's definitely he's only played 10 games in the last two years for LSU. But this guy's a really good man corner. He's a shutdown corner. And uh, I, that's why I got Washington taking him with the, number, with the 11th overall pick. Yeah, I'm going linebacker with Devin Lloyd out of Utah. He had a really good season, 22, tackle, 22 tackles for loss last year, which is second in the country. Um, he's getting a little bit better in pass coverage as well, but he's still got he's still got room to grow, and I think he's going to keep getting better. He had two really big games against Oregon there um, down the stretch of the season, so I, I thought he, you know, he think he was a Pac-12 defense player of the year. He had a phenomenal season, and I think Devin Lloyd goes at number eleven. I know maybe a little bit too high for him, but I could see Washington dressing a linebacker here, um, and I see him going out getting Devin Lloyd. Yeah, I mean, you remember that pick six Devin Lloyd had in that in that conference championship game. Yeah, he did. Yeah, well, he, that was one of his four this year, last year. You know, so yeah, he he's got some good hands too. Yes, yeah, as his pass coverage has improved over the last couple of years. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So at number twelve, the Vikings. I they did a good job improving their defense this offseason, going out and getting Zadarius Smith, going out and getting Jordan Hicks. But I think in the draft they continue to improve their defense, and I got them going corner, and I got them going corner, and I got them taking Trent McDuffie out of Washington. This is. This, he's a little undersized, but he's a he's probably the best tackling corner in this draft. That's why at number 12 overall, I got the Vikings taking Trent McDuffie. Yep, I'm with you. I'm going – I got um, 
Minnesota here taking another going secondary. Um, I, I think Trent McDuffie, he's a guy, too, that could kind of play anywhere in the secondary. You line up at the slide, you line up outside. Um, you know, he didn't allow pass touchdown either in 2021. And, you know, I, I think he's a guy that he's been better in zone coverage, but I think he's got a high ceiling. I think you can place him with a Patrick Peterson, let him grow. I, I think he's going to help him out, too, as well. So I, I got what I mean, Minnesota here addressing their secondary. With the number 13 overall pick, that is, a, that, is a, that is the Texans go again because they traded for Deshaun Watson. This was the Browns pick, but with the Browns trading Deshaun Watson, I mean, the Texans trading Deshaun Watson, the Browns, the Texans got this pick. I got the Texans. I think they they addressed their defense. Now they got to address their offense. I am addressing their offensive line. I got them taking Charles Cross out of Mississippi State. I think this guy is a, is a good tackle, and I think the Texans need help on the offensive line. That's why I got them taking Cross out of Mississippi State. But Justin, you got them addressing their defense. Uh, you got them addressing their. You got them. Did you pick defense the first time for them? Yeah, I did defense. You got them addressing. Yeah. You got them and addressing yeah, their defense, defense again. Yeah, yeah. I think here for Houston, it's you know we've talked we talked about too is they can kind of go anywhere. They kind of need help anywhere. And I have them getting Kyle Hamilton again. He's going to be the best player available. That again, if he's sitting there thirteen, that's you know going to be a really lucky pick there for them. Uh, you know, he, he's one of the best defense players in this draft, especially in the secondary. Um, he had eight picks in 31 games. You know, he's great, too, when you want to blitz with him. He's really good there. Um, and he's big enough to kind of line up in the slide against somebody or line up against wide receivers as well. And even tight ends. So, like, he can kind of guard anywhere. And, you know, and he's got the speed, too, as well, to guard some of those slot guys. So, I think Kyle Hamilton really would really help out, um, you know, the Houston Texans secondary there is – they're trying to rebuild that defense. Yeah, if Hamilton's there, the Texans got to take him. They absolutely got to take him. He's got he's got a ton of upside. If Ham, I know he doesn't play the most premier position in the league, but if Hamilton's there, the Texans got to take him. Yeah, absolutely, and that's why I had him at thirteen. I know he could probably go sooner, but like as we talked about, it's you know, it, it's tough sometimes to draft a safety that high. So yeah, maybe he does fall there to thirteen, and absolutely, I think if he sits he's sitting there at number thirteen. Houston Texans got to jump all over. Yeah, I got him going seven to the Giants, but that is the one top player I could see falling just because of the position he plays. Yeah, you know, it's unfortunate that it happens, but yeah, you know, I think it could be very possible that he drops. And yeah, I, I think that'd be a great addition there for the Houston Texans to, to get a guy like Kyle Hamilton to help out their secondary. Absolutely, absolutely. The number 14th overall pick goes to the Ravens. And I think the biggest issue with the Ravens, their defense, their pass defense was terrible last year. The biggest reason was they didn't have a great pass rush and their corners were all banged up. Humphrey, I mean, uh, Peters was out for the year and Humphrey missed time too. Uh, they could go offensive line here. They could go uh, could go an edge rusher. But I think because the, the top three tackles are off the board, I got them going edge rusher. And I got them taking Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State. He was the ACC Defensive Player of the Year. He had 12 sacks, and he did it all on a bad team. He really carried a, a bad team on defense last year. So with the 14th overall pick, I got the Ravens taking Jermaine Johnson. Yeah, me too. I got him taking Jermaine Johnson to help out that defense. You know, the transfer from Georgia, and, you know, they, again, you saw good Georgia's defense was last year. He just could not get one of the starting jobs with that team, and you know, comes over to Florida State, and yeah, he had a breakout season. You know, uh, he's got a great spin move. He's got a great one arm bull rush there as well. Um, he, yeah, he kind of helped Florida State out there. Their defense did kind of get a little bit better throughout the year, and he was a big reason for it. Um, and you know, he kind of and 
you know, Georgia kind of recommended him to uh, Florida State to say, hey, go after this guy. It was a big addition for him. And I think he could help out Baltimore as well because Baltimore always has great pass rushers. Last year, you know, every the injury problems and all that, they kind of struggled. I think, you know, Jermaine Johnson is going to help out that problem, um, that pass rushing problem big time for the Ravens. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. With the number 15th overall pick, this goes to the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles have two first-round picks. And and in this in this draft, I, I feel like the Eagles they bet it, they, they're looking they're looking to upgrade their receiving core. Even though they drafted Devontae Smith last year, they're still looking to upgrade that receiving core. And for me, it was down to Chris Olave and Jamison Williams. And Jamison Williams, if he didn't tear his ACL, he'd easily be a top five pick. He would be the best receiver in this draft. But with a torn ACL, Williams' stock has dropped a little bit. But I think between the two. I think you're looking at the guy who's going to be who, who could be great. I don't think a lot of he's going to be a superstar, but I do think Jamison Williams has the potential to be a superstar, and that's why with the number 15 overall pick, I got the Eagles taking Jamison Williams out of Alabama. Uh, me, uh, me as well. I got him taking Jamison Williams. Um, you know, again, he almost averaged 20 yards to catch last year. You know, he could be involved in that running game too with the sweeps, as they they, they kind of did at times last year with um, Devontae Smith, and you know, maybe they get a guy like Jalen Rieger. That's true, really outstanding quick um, wide receivers that they have at their disposal. And again, if Jalen Hurts isn't the guy they, they move up for a quarterback next year, they get somebody else. You're, you're pairing them with three really good wide receivers for the future. So I, I, yeah, I think the Eagles could address another need here, but they do have another pick. And I, I think Jamie, Jameson Williams is sitting there would not be shocked to see the Eagles take him at number 15. Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. And, and he could be the steal of the draft. If this guy comes back from his ACL injury, this guy could be the steal of the draft. He's got, but even though he's, even though I got him going 15, he very easily could be the best player in this draft. Oh, absolutely. You saw the speed against um, that he had at Alabama last year. And the thing, you know, and not too many cornerbacks are going to be able to stay with them. Um, he's just, he's just such a downfield threat. And if you can get it to him, it's going to be very hard to stop him. And he's, you know, he's, he's, um, you know, he's tough to tackle too at, at his size and, you know, his, his quickness and his elusiveness. So, yeah, I think the, he could totally be a seal to draft here. If he can come off that ACL injury and be as productive, he's, or, you know, and have and kind of keep the same the speed and the quickness that he had before it, um, he's going to be outstanding player. Absolutely, absolutely. We got the Saints with the number 16 overall pick, and they traded to get back to get two picks in the first round. I think a big reason for that is I think they're buying into Jameis Winston. I think they're buying into Jameis Winston for the next two years. I think they're they're, they're buying it, buying to Jameis Winston. And they want to get players that are going to help this this roster out. This is a little bit of a reach here, but I do think that I know this is a reach, but the, but I think they got to solve their problem at tackle because they lost Teron Armstead in free agency. This is a reach, but I think that Trevor Penning is going to be he's a rookie, but I think he's going to be better than James Hurst, and that's why with the number sixteen overall pick, I got the New Orleans Saints taking Trevor Penning out of Northern Iowa. Yeah, I got him addressing offense as well, but I'm going wide receiver Chris Olave. Again, you just you can't really trust Michael Thomas anymore. He hasn't been healthy the last two years. You 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 need somebody to throw the football to. He's a very good red zone target. He's a physical wide receiver. Um, you know, he's a really good route runner. And he, you know, he had a really good season last year at Ohio State. Um, I, I see the Saints here going wide receiver, trying to get somebody. Maybe if you can get Michael Thomas to come back, play a full season or close to it. That's a pretty good duo you got there at the wide receiver's position. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely. 
the number 17th overall pick is the Chargers. And the Chargers, the Chargers don't have a ton of needs. They have one really seeing what they did in the offseason, going out and uh trading for Khalil Mack, signing JC Jackson. They got a really a ton of talent on offense. Uh uh, but the one issue with the Chargers last year was their run defense. Their run defense was absolutely pathetic. And I feel like they need a run stuffer in the middle. So with the 17th overall pick, I got the Chargers taking Jordan Davis. This guy was a beast last year. That's why very few teams could run on Georgia last year because this guy was a beast. Yeah, he may not be a great NFL player, but he's going to be a very productive NFL player. He may not be able to play on third down, but he's going to be very, very productive. And the Chargers, a team that struggled to stop the run, this guy will really help that issue. That's why I got this with the 17th overall pick. I got the Chargers taking Jordan Davis. Yeah, Jordan, that'd be a great pick to help that run that mom that deep the rushing game defensively last year. Yeah, they got torched. I have him going at linebacker and Nicobe Dean out of Georgia. So, you know, um, you know, Jordan Davis' teammate here. You know, I know that there's some size concerns with him, but he's such a good playmaker and he was a captain of that Georgia defense. Um, you know, and he was the only player in the FBS last year with five sacks, you know, or five plus sacks. Two, you know, two or more interceptions or two, two or more um, forced fumbles. So he had a really productive year. Um, he, he's good in coverage too, and I know like the Chargers really like, like kind of, they worry a lot more about their pass defense. It seems, you know, seems like than their rushing defense last year. And if that's the case. You bring in a guy like Nicole Dean, who's going to help that the linebacker position as well. Um, you know, and he's a really good. He can he read, you know he can read out the play really really well doesn't really get, you know, duped a lot. And I think this would be a really good addition here for the Chargers. Again, with all the offense talent that's in that division, to just get better at the defensive position um, is really going to help. The number 18th overall pick is going to go to the Eagles. And with this pick, I got them upgrading this defensive line. I got them taking Devontae Wyatt out of Georgia. I think Fletcher Cox is getting up there in age. You saw the Eagles release him and then they brought him back. He's not the same player, especially getting the quarterback that he once was. That's why I got the Eagles taking Devontae Wyatt with the number 18th overall pick. I'm going defensive line, but I'm going with their last pick. I got him taking Jordan Davis. Again, he's 6'6", 341, and he ran a 4.7. You know, he's just a one-man record crew last year. And, yeah, you know, he's going to be great, as you mentioned, you know, just – you know, um, creating havoc there and just kind of just stuff in the running game. Um, and, and, you know, too, and he's even great closing speed wise, you know, on, on runner, on running back. So, yeah, he's probably not going to be a three down defensive tackle, but, you know, it, again, the first couple of downs there, I think he could be, he can really, um, you know, he, he's really going to be a pain to, pain to handle for offensive lines because of his size and for his size, he can, he can run too. He's got a pretty good motor. With the 19th, the 19th overall pick is also the Saints pick, and this this is a, this is an interesting one right here. I mean, this is a, uh, but I got the Saints uh, upgrading this receiving core just like you did with the 16th pick. I got the Saints taking Chris Olave, like you said. They have trouble relying on Michael Thomas. This would add, this give Jameis Winston another weapon. When Michael Thomas was out, the Saints had one of the worst receiving cores in the league last year. That's why their quarterback play struggled. I mean, even though the quarterback play wasn't good when James, after Jameis Winston got hurt. It was. It was sometimes their offense was really tough to watch because they because uh, their receivers were absolutely terrible. And I think this this will definitely upgrade their receiving core with Chris Olave. That's why I got the Saints taking him with the 19th pick. Justin, it looks like you got another QB going coming off the board. Yeah, I got my first QB coming off the board, number 19 here, Malik Willis. Yeah, you know I know they you know they're gonna have Winston here for next year for for next two years probably. But you know, and I don't think 
you know, Willis may be ready year two. He's, I think he's got a ton of upside, but I think he's still really, really raw. So I don't think he's going to play right away. And they want Winston here for another couple of years. I, I think it's good. I, I think, you know, with the Saints, with their offensive creativity, I know Sean Payton has a lot to do with that. Um, but I, I think he could fit. And, you know, he kind of fits what most quarterbacks are nowadays. You know, he can really run. He's really athletic. Um, you know, he's got a strong arm. Now, at times it's, you know, not very accurate. But he's got a but he's got a really good good arm, and if he can kind of figure it out and he kind of fixes accuracy problems, I think he'd be a really really good NFL quarterback. And talking about Malik Willis with the number twenty over twentieth overall pick, I got him going off the board, and I got him going to the Steelers. Uh, I, as you said, I mean he's got he's he's got a ton of upside. I think this quarterback is the most upside of anybody in this draft. I think he's got the most upside. I think uh, he, I mean, he's, he's, he's got mobility. He's got a really good arm. The issue is the interceptions. He had 12 interceptions last year. The interceptions are an issue. Those have to get cleaned up. He can't be doing that. But in this division where the Steelers are going to have to face Deshaun Watson, uh, Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson for the next, probably for the next decade, they need their own quarterback. They're not going to be doing that with Mitch Trubisky. So, I got Malik Willis going going here at 20, and I think this is the best spot. The two spots we got Willis are really, really good spots because he can sit and learn because teams like the Saints and Steelers are going to be in it until the first week of December. Even though their quarterback play is not great, their rosters are good enough uh, to be in it. And, and, and with Pittsburgh, their coaching is good enough to be in it for, uh, until the first couple weeks of uh, until the first couple weeks of December. So I think this would be these, these two spots we have Malik Willis going to are really good spots for him to succeed. But Justin, you got another quarterback coming off the board with, for the Steelers. Yeah, but I yeah, again, I'm taking the uh, Pittsburgh Panther, Kenny Pickett. He made some really good tries last year. He's really good against pressure. Um, his accuracy improved as well last year. You know, I, I think Pitt needs a franchise guy now. You know, maybe they do want to go with Mitch Trubisky this year. That's what kind of sounds like. But again, he's not your future quarterback. You know, I think maybe, you know, pick it here. Again, he's only a couple years younger than Sam Darnold. Like, that's already, he's already 24 years old. He's an older guy still, and he's got some athletic ability. If he, you know, if play breaks down, he can kind of get loose there and get some yardage. But I, I think he's a guy that, you know, could be a good franchise quarterback. I don't think he's going to be, you know, elite, but I think he'd be good. I think he could be a good franchise quarterback. And you mentioned too, Pittsburgh with their coaching. I think they you know, they could help him. They could kind of help him get good enough to you know again be the pitcher that we've kind of known here for the last twenty years, which is kind of being competitive, getting the playoffs. Um, I think he could be right around the top ten, top fifteen quarterback. You know, if his career, if if he could reach the potential. Absolutely, and and the, the the thing is, is out of the teams that need quarterbacks, the Steelers, the Saints, the Panthers, and the Lions in this draft, I feel like the Steelers is definitely the best destination because you have the combination of coaching ta and talent you have the talent you have the coaching and you're not forced into action early if you go to detroit and you go to you go to detroit or carolina you're gonna be forced into action because they don't really have a good quarterback i mean i mean i think if the lions have a bad roster so they're gonna be losing a lot of games and jared goff isn't that good so they're probably going to be two and seven, nine games into the season, and you're going to get forced into action. If you go to Carolina, you're probably going to be in that same situation. You're going to be like three and seven in week 10, and you're going to get forced into action. In, 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 in Pittsburgh, you're not going to, you probably can sit year one. You could take a red shirt year and sit and learn. Probably the same thing in New Orleans. In Pittsburgh and in New Orleans, you could learn. If you go to Carolina and, or Detroit, you're going to be on the field next year. Yeah, it's a great point. Cause yeah, I, I, with you, I think all these kind of quarterbacks here, 
I think like a Pickett could probably play year one, maybe towards towards the end of the year. But yeah, like I think a lot of these guys do need that one year here to kind of learn the game, you know, learn the NFL game, kind of learn from the veterans, sit on the bench, kind of watch, kind of observe. And yeah, I think you know, and as you know, with Pittsburgh, yeah, the coaching, the talents there defensively, where yeah, you know, you know, Pickett in in your case for your mock draft, Malik Willis kind of sit year one, kind of learn the offense, learn the system, kind of just get their feet wet in the NFL system and kind of learn, you know, cause it's a different game. It's a different thing, you know, now going to the NFL and, and, you know, so I think, yeah, I think that would definitely help, you know, um, where, yeah, going to Pittsburgh, going to New Orleans for these guys, definitely you could sit a year, learn the game, kind of figure it out and, you know, kind of, you know, go from there and kind of see, you know, if you're depending, you know, depending on the team, you know, maybe starting year two, depending on how the team kind of, feels and how the development went. Yeah, and I think Carolina and then, and then for the other side for Carolina and Detroit, I think Carolina is worse than Detroit because I think you're going to get forced in even earlier in Carolina because Matt Rule's job's on the line. Dan Campbell's job is not on the line. So we'll play Jared Goff. I think we'll play Jared Goff at least eight or nine games, no matter what happens, no matter how many games they lose. Matt Rule, his job is on the line. It could be very, very early. You're getting forced into action. And none of these quarterbacks are quarterbacks I think that can play right away. And that's that's, that's, that's and that's rare. That's rare nowadays, but I don't think any this is a bad quarterback class. I don't think any of these quarterbacks can play right away. No, I'm with you. I don't. I don't think so either. I, I really don't. I think Pickett could maybe in the second half of the year, maybe just because of he's older, you know, maybe. But you know, I, I think yeah, Willis needs a year. You know, Desmond Ritter needs a year. Like yeah, you know, Matt Matt Corral probably needs a year. Like yeah, so yeah, like a Carolina taking quarterback. Yeah, I, I could see him like of Kenny in years. You know, like a Kenny Pickett going there. You one day he could definitely struggle if Matt Rule kind of forced him into action. Um, I, I could really see that being problematic for him, you know, especially if that off the line doesn't get better. And yeah, you know, and, and you kind of see, like, I, I think that really hurt Sam Darnold playing with the Jets the last couple of years. And then I thought maybe going to, I think, think we were both kind of like maybe going to Carolina is going to help him out. And it really hasn't. I just think, you know, you go to a bad spot like that and you kind of get forced maybe too early. And I know it's, it was a second overall pick, but, um, you know, again, it kind of breaks you mentally because none of these guys have failed before. And this. You know, you fail the first time and, and, you know, they just don't know really sometimes how to deal with it. Exactly. I mean, the great ones like the Andrew Lux, Peyton Mannings, those prospects that are taking number one overall, they'll succeed anywhere. It doesn't matter. But, yeah, guys that have, like, potential to be B-plus quarterbacks. You see a lot of quarterbacks in this league that have potential not to be great, but B-plus quarterbacks fail because they're put in the wrong situation. Yeah, you know, and, yeah, it kind of the quarterback situation is so important. And sometimes it's just the, the pressure kind of gets to it. And, yeah, the struggles, you know, and just – not fitting with the right team and, and it's it's sometimes a problem and it just does not pan out for you and, and yeah you know it's it's you know there's definitely been guys who have i think we've all thought that we're going to be pretty good in the in the nfl level just never really could fully hit their potential for whatever reason team organization kind of the fit so yeah it, it's you know um especially in this class it's kind of you got to make sure that it, it, the quarterback you're, you got to make sure that you know no you can't really force any quarterbacks into action early because, yeah, it's just not going to pan out, I don't think, for many of these guys early on for them. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So now we go to your team, the New England Patriots, with number 21 overall pick. And they could go – they could go – obviously they can go receiver, they can go quarterback, and they could even go uh, uh, front seven. And I got them taking a guy in the front seven. I think Hightower's getting up there in age. And in two of their losses last year – I think a big reason why they lost those games is they couldn't stop the run. The New Orleans game, they couldn't stop. It couldn't stop Camaro at all at the end. And you all remember that indie game where Jonathan Taylor had that huge run at the end. 
And I think a player like N'Kobe Dean could prevent that this year. He can make this defense better against the run. Because you know this defense won't be as good against the pass because you can't count on Judon to have the, the year he had for the first uh, – to be as good as he was for the first uh, 12 games – for the first 12 games last year. And you won't have J.C. Jackson on the back end. So you're not going to have as good of a pass defense. If your defense is going to be good this year, you got to be better against the run. And I think N'Kobe Dean, with the way N'Kobe Dean plays, he's really going to help that. That's why I got the Pats at number 21 taking, taking N'Kobe Dean. Yeah, I'd, I'd take him at linebacker. Yes, is it, for me it was tough. Um, but, yeah, I, I think linebacker Nicobe Dean would really help us out and trying to – because yeah, you mentioned, yeah, our rush defense was horrible, and we got torched in a couple games last year, and, and it cost us. Um, but I'm going to fix another area of the defense, as you meant to. They could kind of go anywhere here. And I'm going cornerback with Andrew Booth Jr. out of Clemson. Um, he's inconsistent, and he's a guy, too, that he'll, you know, he'll gamble at times. But I, I think he could – I, I think he's going to develop into a really good cornerback. This level. He's a good playmaker. He's got good size, too, to play cornerback. Um, I like he, he plays with some fire. He's a vocal guy in the field. Um, he can make plays in the backfield, too, you know. Um, and I think it's because um, Julio Peppers was talking about his, in, his intro press conference a couple weeks ago, and he was talking about, you know, how they, they you know, the secondary is going to be a huge piece this year. Like, he wa- Bill wants to play with, like, four safeties on the field this year. Like, I, I think they really want to upgrade that back end. They lost J.C. Jackson. I think they bring in Andrew Booth Jr. here to uh, fix that up. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, the Patriot roster did not have a good offseason. They're, they're going to have to hit with this pick. They really, really going to hit with this pick. With this pick, And this player has got to be impactful for this team. Wherever he is, whoever they take here, this player has got to be impactful for this team to have success. Yeah, absolutely, they do. You know, it, it's if it's on the defensive side of the ball, you know, um, you know, like for me, Andrew Booth Jr., he's going to have to slide in there. He may have to be our corner one next year. You know, for Nicobe Dean, he could slide in there and play linebacker because, yeah, you know, Dante Tower is getting up there. He's definitely has lost a couple steps there than, than he had the last couple of years. So, yeah, he, he's probably going to be, you know, Dean's going to fit right there as a starting linebacker. So, yeah, both these guys would have to have huge impact years. They go wide receiver. That wide receiver, I think, you know, if it's a Lave or somehow you're trailing Burks, you know, they, they could slide in there. Feed number one, number two guy right, right there, Devonte Parker to help out Mac Jones. So yeah, they they kind of need a lot. They could kind of go a lot of different ways here, but yeah, they they do need that guy to be a starter from day one. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So with the twenty second overall pick, the Packers because they traded they traded Devonte Adams, they get this pick from the Raiders, and they have to try. Now they're not going to replace Devonte Adams, but they gotta upgrade this receiver room. I know it's been years since the Packers drafted a wide receiver. They must must draft a wide receiver with one of these two picks. They must do that. They have to do that with one of these two picks. you got to put Aaron Rodgers in a position to succeed and in a position to, to beat the Bucs and the Rams. And a, way to, and a way to get him in position to beat those two teams is to get a wide receiver. they got to get one. That's why I got the Packers uh, drafting Traylon Burks with the number 22 overall pick. Had over a thousand receiving yards at Arkansas. Really, really good receiver. First team All SEC. I got the Packers taking Traylon Burks with the number two twenty-two overall pick. Yeah, I'm with you as well. Traylon Burks um, at number twenty-two going to Green Bay. I have to imagine with Rogers coming back, one of the re- you know things is, is you know he wants to kind of have a voice here in this draft and who who he wants. And I, I think you know the Packers can't keep messing this up. They got to get a wide receiver here. And I, I think per- Burks would fit perfectly. He's a big downfield threat. He's he's a big receiver as well. Um, you know, and like he's a guy too that you want to get creative with him. He, I think he had two pass touchdowns as, as well. You know, they use him in the in the uh, trick plays as well, and he's got a pretty good arm as well. So, 
you know, you could kind of use him there for some creativity in the offense. But, yeah, the Packers got to find somebody there. I don't think he'll be able to be a number one guy right away, but I think in a year or two he could be a number one wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, I, th- I think he's going to really, really help that team. With the 23rd overall pick, the Cardinals are, are on the clock. And uh, I think the Cardinals, you know, yes, they need to get an edge rusher. But at this point, I think they got to improve that line, their linebacking core, too. They lost Jordan Hicks. And Devin Lloyd is the best, definitely the best player available at this point. And that's where I think the Cardinals go. I think they take Devin Lloyd with the 23rd overall pick. As we, as we stated earlier in the show, you had him going to Washington. Can he cover? He, he's good against the run. He's probably he arguably is the best linebacker in this draft. It's close between him and Nicobe Dean. So with the 23rd overall pick, I got the Cardinals taking Devin Lloyd. Yeah, I'm going edge here with Georgia um, Kerfoffelis out of Purdue. Um, he, he's got a mode that just not does not stop. He's a big, powerful guy. He's got some really good pass rusher moves. Um, you know, I, I and you know they lost Chandler, Chandler Jones. They lost season and again. It, you know, JJ Watts great when he's on the field but he hasn't been able to stay healthy you know he's so they're going to need him right you know they might need him right away to play at the edge spot um I, I think he's a guy that could really help arizona out on that defensive side of the ball um and i think he does have a really high ceiling too again you know there was one point in the season people were talking about him being like a top five top ten pick and he could slide the number 23 i think could be a really good steal for the um arizona cardinals Absolutely, absolutely. With the number twenty-four, the number twenty-fourth pick, that is the Dallas Cowboys, and they could go edge. I think edge rusher, offensive line, and receiver are their needs right now. I got them going offensive line because I, they lost Lyle Collins, they lost Connor Williams, Tyron Smith. He can't stay healthy. So with the twenty-fourth overall pick, I got the Cowboys taking a guard. I got them taking Keon Green from Texas. Keon Green from Texas A&M. I got them going as well off the line, but I'm going with Zion Johnson out of Boston College. Um, he's mostly, you know, an interior guy. I know he, he played, he played tackles well, I, um, at the senior bowl and he did a pretty good job and even center as well. So he's a guy that could kind of move around there, you know, where Dallas has not been able to, um, stay healthy up front. Again, they had a ton of penalties too up front, you know, last year, ton of false starts, ton of holding calls. Um, he's a guy that does not really let a lot of guys get, he does not get beat a lot. And I, I think for Dallas, you get that cross out, you get your franchise guy. I think he could really help out Dallas's offensive line this year. With the 25th pick, that is the Bills pick. And uh, I think the Bills, uh, yes, you might want to take a guy that could improve that run defense. But with Tredavis White tearing his ACL and outside of White, they're thin at corner. I got the Bills going corner. That's why I got the Bills taking Andrew Booth with the number with the 25th overall pick. I'm going corner two. My one, Roger McCarry, the corner out of Auburn. I think he's the press best um, press man coverage guy in this draft. He's very good at man coverage as well. And I thought he played really well in the Iron Bowl when whoever lined him up, whoever he lined up against. And then I think even that um, Penn State game, he did a really good job on um, John Dotson as as well against who's a really good wide receiver as well. He's undersized, so I think you know jump ball situations he could struggle close to the red zone. Um, but he's a guy that will play physical, and I think he's a tough guy. And Buffalo think needs to improve that secondary, and I think he, Roger McCarry could do that. With the number 26th overall pick, that is that goes to the Tennessee Titans. I got them going offensive line. It's like funny. We flipped the two picks. Yeah. I got them going offensive line. I got them getting Zion Johnson. I think they need to beef up there. They did get Robert Woods in the offseason. I was coming off an, coming off an ACL. And obviously they got A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry's outstanding, pretty good defense. 
I think the offensive line is a concern for this team. They lost Roger Staffold. He went to the Bills. So with number 26th overall pick, I got the Titans going Zion Johnson. Yeah, I'm going Kenyon Green here out of Texas A&M. Um, you know, he's very good. He's got long arms. And, again, that helps him kind of seal the edge there because he's really good in the run game. Um, and he's and he's he's strong enough, too, to kind of um, – to drive defensive linemen off 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 the ball, uh, he had a really good year at Texas A&M. Um, I, I think he could really help Tennessee's off the line there. Its strength is in the running game, and you got a guy like Derrick Henry um, that that could, you know that that will help out tremendously. Adding another guy like that Green to um, that offensive line, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. With the number twenty seventh overall pick, that goes to the Buccaneers, and I think the one weakness with the ball, they got a pretty good front, they got a good front seven. Good offensive line. This is a really good roster, but I think obviously the weakness that and it's been a weakness for a while for them has been the secondary. So that's why I think they beefed that up. And I got them taking Kyler Gordon out of Washington with that pick. Yeah, I'm going defensive line um, with Devontae Wyatt going up with um, Vita Vey there up front. Um, I, I think he, you know, he's got he's a good bull rusher. Um, he's got some nice pass moves as well, and his strength too. He's really he's really strong. He can win some battles up front for the Bucs. And I, I think another guy, they were great against, against the run last year. Um, but another guy who's a pretty decent pass rush as well. He can get out. He can have to get quarterback. Um, thought about going secondary to here, but I, why I was still on the board. So I had him taking Devontae Wyatt. With the number 28th overall pick, that is the Packers pick again. I mean, there's some, there's some spots they can go. They can go offensive line here. They could go, you know, pass rusher. But I got them taking the pass rusher. I got them taking the pass rusher because they lost to Darius Smith. I got them taking David Ajabu out of Michigan. If this guy covers from his ACL injury, this guy's going to be a really, really good player. It's a little bit of a risk taking him here because there's a very good chance he slides to the second round. But if he recovers from that ACL injury, Ajabu is going to be a really, really good player. That's why I got the Packers taking him at 28. Yeah, they could be a really special player. Hopefully, he can come back healthy. And yeah, that could be a major steal there for the Green Bay Packers. I am addressing off of the line with um, Ben Hard Riam out of uh, Central Michigan. I think he'll probably he'll probably fit right away in there. You know, um, maybe right tackle, probably right tackle. Um, you know, they already get the wide receiver. Kind of, they address that. And he's a guy that's still really learning the position because he played tight end his first two years of college. He kind of slide he. Kind of tried the offensive line a couple years ago. He did a really good job. Um, he's got a really good worth ethic, and he's you know I think maybe he's already 24 years old, which is a little bit you know for an offensive lineman could be a little bit concerning. But I think with his worth ethic, I think he get better because he's still learning the position on the offensive line, and I think it'd be a nice addition here to protect Aaron Rodgers. Absolutely, absolutely. So with the number 29th overall pick, that is the Kansas City Chiefs. They got that pick. From the uh, they got that pick of from the it was from the, the it's from it was from the Dolphins I think no the 49ers originally I think had that pick and then the, they traded it to the Dolphins to trade up to get Trey Lance so so this pick was in the Tyreek Hill deal so uh, but with this pick I got the Chiefs getting a wide receiver I know they got Valdez I know they got Valdez Scan, Scan, uh, Scanling I know they got Juju but. They need to upgrade that receiver room. And I think Jahan Johnson, Jahan Dotson, I watched him a ton at Penn State. Remember that one-handed catch he had against Ohio State? He's a really good receiver. Yes, he doesn't have the most. He's not. He's only 5'11", but I think he could be a really good receiver. You pair him with Patrick Mahomes, I think he could have a really, really good career. That's why I got the Chiefs taking Jahan Dotson at number 29. Yeah, I like Dotson. I can see him going there. I'm going other wide receiver, though, and, and George Pickens out of Georgia. He's had his problem staying on the field, and I think that could be a, a risk here. But I, I think, you know, He's a guy that 
when healthy, he's been he's been really good. Um, he's got some big playmaking ability. He's got to get a bit stronger, um, but I think he's the guy who can stay on the field who can really help out Patrick Mahomes in that offense. As you mentioned, they kind of they they lost try Tyree Kill and now kind of got to upgrade that wide receiver room. And I think George Pickens would would do that for the Chiefs. Chiefs pick again at number thirty. This is their pick now. They pick again at thirty, and I think they got to address their 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 defensive line. I think Frank Clark had a decent year last year, but he wasn't great. And I think they need to address their, their defensive line. That's why I got the chiefs taking George Christophilus at number 30. Yeah. I'm going um another kind of edge guy here with David at Jabby. You know, as you mentioned, that guy was a top 15 pick before getting hurt on a pro day. And especially to in that division now that the defense be important. And yeah, he may not probably play much this year at all, but I think he's a guy for the future, for next year. He can be a big playmaker on that defense side of the ball, which you're going to need playing the AFC West. Um, and, and, again, he's still learning to play the position, too. He's only been playing football for five years. So that only means he's going to grow and get better. And I think David Javi could be a great pick for the Kansas City Chiefs to help out that defense. And the 31st overall pick goes to the Cincinnati Bengals. And – They've done a lot to this offensive line in the offseason. They signed Alex Kappa. They signed Lyle Collins. They signed Ted Karras. But I don't think Ted Karras is going to be the future at the center position. I think they continue to, to beef up that offensive line, and that's why I got them taking Tyler Linderbaum with the number 31st overall pick. I'm going secondary for the Bengals here. I'm going Daxton Hill out of Michigan. He's very versatile. I know Jesse Bates is a free agent after next season, so he kind of groomed to take that safety spot over next season. But he also can play corner. He can play in the slot. Um, and he, he could really hit as well. He'll, you know, he'll come downhill and he'll, you know, he, he's a hard hitter and he had eight path breakups last year. Um, that mission defense is, we you know, was really good last year. Um, I, I think he's a guy that could kind of play in a multi different spots there for the Bengals. You know, their defense improved last year, but I think it still has some room to grow there. And I think Daxon Hill out of Michigan would be a good pick. It definitely does. I mean, the defense was, it was good enough to get to a mm-hmm. Super Bowl. It was, it was, it was, it was in the middle of the pack. But we all know the big reason they got to the Super Bowl was because of Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Yeah, it was. You know, yeah, and yeah, Jamar, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase had an unbelievable season. Yeah, that defense, it was a lot better than it was a year, you know, the year prior where they got torched, you know, defensively. Yeah, it was good enough. And I think they still got some young pieces that are, are getting better. So, yeah, I think, you know, Daxon Hill would really help them out there at the back end there to keep improving their defense, kind of taking that next up. Absolutely. Now we got the last pick in the draft, and this pick goes to the Lions because the Lions traded Matthew Stafford to the Rams. And I think the Lions take a quarterback here. I think this is where they go quarterback, and they go with Desmond Ritter. And it's very smart to take a quarterback with this pick because you get that fifth-year option. If they take a quarterback in the second round, they don't get that fifth-year option. So I think it's very smart to take the quarterback here to get that fifth-year option. So I got the, the Lions taking Desmond Ritter. They could wait until next year to get a quarterback, but I don't think that makes – a ton of sense. I know the quarterback class is great, but I don't think it makes a ton of sense because you're now in year three of Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes, and you have a rookie quarterback. I think you get your you have your quarterback on your roster this year, and I think that guy is Desmond Ritter. He's going to sit for a little while. I think if he gets picked here, he's definitely going to get forced into action. He's mobile, uh, but accuracy is an issue. As you saw in that Alabama game, he went 17 for 32 against an SEC defense. So th- there isn't a ton of upside, but I think this guy has a shot to be a franchise quarterback. But, Justin, you've seen him play more than me, and you have him going there. What would you expect from Desmond Ritter if he gets drafted to the Lions at 32? Yeah, I think I think he can kind of bring in another, you know, 
winning. You know, I think he was what forty two and five at Cincinnati. Like he's I mean, he won, kind of, but he won in a bad conference. Let's yeah. be honest. He did, but again, he they he won though. Like I, I think you know, even in that line driver, you kind of get a guy that kind of knows how to win. You know, knows how the experience of winning. I, I think does help could help a locker room out. You know, and I think for kind of his on the field stuff. I, you know, I think he does fit kind of the new style here of NFL quarterbacks. He could send plays. He's very athletic. But, yeah, it's the inconsistencies, you know. And problem part of that, too, is he just kind of gets stuck at times on his first read. And, again, that kind of locks sides with a lot of receivers, and that causes trouble. And I think that was part of that Alabama game where he struggled. He kind of locked eyes a couple of times. And, and so, yeah, I think that's that. But he's very athletic, um, you know, and I, I think, you know, he can extend the plays for you. I do like him. I don't – yeah, I'm with you. Like, I think there's a changing to be a franchise quarterback, but I'm not totally sold on him. But, yeah, I, I think it's good to hear, too. Again, maybe Goff kind of – the veteran guy can kind of help him learn the system and all that. But I think Ritter's a guy that's going to go out there, try to get better. I think he's got – it seems like he's got a very good worth ethic, and I, I think he could bring something to Detroit and kind of help them improve um, for the future with Dan Campbell. We'll see. We'll see what happens there. But – that's going to wrap it up for the draft, but the Nets are done. They've been swept. But before we talk about that, we got a promo from Clovercrest Media. Come on out for a day of fun to the Cove Kids Classic presented by Clarity. Friday, May 6, 2022 at Lyman Orchards Golf Club to benefit the Cove Center for Grieving Children. Partnership opportunities are available. All proceeds from the Cove Kids Classic support the Cove's free programs. Please consider partnering with us to continue to support grieving children and teens in 2022 and beyond. For more information or questions, call Allison Gamber at 203-634-0500 or email allison at covect.org. The Cove Kids Classic takes place Friday, May 6th at Lyman Orchards Golf Club. Registration begins at 8 a.m. Shotguns start at 9 a.m. on the player course. All righty, so we had a shocking result in the NBA playoffs. A lot of people who had the Nets as their favorite to win it all, they wind up getting swept out of the playoffs. It's crazy to think of. I mean, they lost two tough they lost two tough games in the first two games of the series. Then Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are combined 32 points in game three. That can't happen. And then they lose game four. Durant did all he could in game four, but then they lose game four. And you look at this, we look at who's most to blame. I think everyone's to blame pretty much. I mean, Steve Nash was was is not a good coach. That's obvious. Uh, Kevin Durant did not play well in games two and three. But the player I think is who is most to blame is Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving, outside of game one, was absolutely pathetic in this series. He was horrible. And then he has the audacity to say after game three, we didn't have time to gel. The reason you couldn't gel is because of you. You didn't get vaccinated. That's why your team could not gel. How could you say, oh, we, we, we didn't have time to gel as a team. And the, But the reason you couldn't gel is because of you. You didn't get vaccinated. That's why your team couldn't gel. You're the reason. I don't get why Kyrie is saying what, what he said there. I just don't get Kyrie at all. This was a, just a horrible performance by the Nets this year. It could not be more of a disappointing season. Them and the Lakers, it's tough to tell who's been who was more disappointing between those two teams, but just absolutely pathetic uh, for the Nets to get swept to the lake to the Celtics. I know the Celtics have been playing really well, but you gotta win more than one game. You got swept 
to the you got swept in the first round when you were favorites to win it all. Justin, who do you think is to blame for this? Mostly to blame for this. It's mostly Kyrie, but I'm with you. It's a whole kind of organization. Yeah, that I, I thought at first that Jolene thing was like a joke. Like I, I thought that was like somebody just kind of made that comment up and then I heard it was actually real. I was like, he actually really said that. Like it, I, he was again, yeah, it, again, yeah, it's his problem. Again, it's I you know, you want to be a team guy, you know, get get vaccinated. That's kind of the rules, you know, of kind of Brooklyn there last year not being able to play a home game. But, again, Joe Side, the owner, spent $266 million on this team. They didn't win one playoff game. Not one. You know, there's, there's a lot of blame. You know, Steve Nash just got absolutely outcoached. But, again, that's that that Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant wanted a buddy. They did not want a good coach in Kenny Atkinson, who did a great job when those two guys were injured. But he they didn't want to be coached. You wanted Steve Nash. You want a buddy. They want to do whatever they want. That, you know, so I, I put a lot on those two. Because I killed LeBron about it. I, I've killed LeBron about wanting his guys and all that. So I have to kill those two about it as well. And then I, you got to give Ben Simmons some, some some blame too. You know, and kind of – and, like, what is – you know, and I guess this is for Kyrie too. Like, do they really care about winning a title? Because it doesn't really – like, Kyrie did not want to be there in game four. You saw Kyrie wanted no part of going back to Boston. None. He didn't show – he didn't play well in game four. He – Kind of had some a, a spark, you know, a, a little bit, but like he didn't do much, you know. And, and Simmons too. It's like, you know, the again back problems are, are are not a very good sign. Again, they they linger and all that, but like they're saying it's it's if it's all stress related, how is he ever going to play in a playoff game? Like, it's just going to get worse the older he gets. And again, the crazy thing is is. And, you know, everybody in the media is killing them too. You know, like usually we see people kind of go out there and when they're kind of dressing their mental health and all that, they support them. Nobody's supporting Ben Simmons. It's just a total mess. And I think it's all of them. You know, again, they just did not play well. Jason Tatum did a great job on Kevin Durant. Kyrie just really did not show up. KD did all he could in game four. But again, you know, they, they had their chance. Jason Tatum fouled out late in that game and they just could not come back and win that game. And um, I think there's a lot of blame for the Nets, and again, again and now Kyrie has the uh, after the game, game four, like oh, oh we, you know, we're gonna run the team, we're gonna have the meetings now. He was talking about bringing you know all of his family and friends into the the fold. It's just like yeah, that's that's not gonna help things, but okay. Yeah, and and, and I'll get to Simmons, but I think there's two two. I got two points I, I want to bring up first. You know, coaching does matter in this league. You know, Kyrie and KD, Kyrie saying, oh, we don't need to be coached, we don't need to be coached. You're 100 percent wrong about that. LeBron had the most success in his career when he had the best coach of his in his career, and that was Eric Spolstra. When he had, and I know we, we used to crush Spolstra, but when LeBron had Eric Spolstra, he got to four consecutive NBA Finals. I mean, and then when he won another championship, he had a pretty good coach in Ty Lue. His two best coaches, he won championships with, and then yeah, Vogel wasn't great, but you could argue his three best the three best coaches LeBron had, he all won championships with. So yes, it, it, coaching does matter. And also, the regular season matters. And that's why you got to be available because the problem is the Nets put themselves in a terrible position. They had to play in the play-in tournament and they had to they had to uh they 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 had to they had to play the number 2 seed, the team that the, the, the probably the hottest team in the NBA in the Boston Celtics. So yes, it the regular season does matter and the Nets acted like it didn't matter, especially Kyrie by not getting vaccinated and thinking, "Oh, we could just show up in the playoffs and we could we could and we're going to dominate." That did not happen. That's why the regular season matters. 
and the Ben Simmons thing. Ben Simmons is just and I understand he's going through mental health issues. I understand that completely. But the but the the, the problem with him is is he's just, he's just it's just been an issue everywhere he's been. He's just he's just been an issue. He's been an issue everywhere he's been. You know, it's just uh, you know Philadelphia. He didn't want to learn how to shoot. We thought in 2018 Ben Simmons was going to be an outstanding player. He refused to learn how to shoot, and it's continued. And then he he got to the Nets. And he just was, he never even played. He didn't even play all season long. It's crazy to think of that. It's crazy to think why, it's crazy to think that Ben Simmons didn't play all year long. Yeah, it is. And again, now it's going to be what? So he last played in June. They lost in Sixers. It's going to be like yeah. 18 months. It's like, what type of play is going to be next year? Yeah, that's, again, Simmons has just been a major issue. I don't know what you can do. I know he wants to go play for one of the California teams, but at this point, why would you want him if you're all? Why would you want him to do Lakers or Clippers? I, I I hope my Kings don't want him anymore. The Warriors certainly aren't taking him. Like he's gonna have to play somewhere he doesn't want to. And you know, I was kind of thinking back too of there was times that LSU too to his freshman year there he 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 totally looked disinterested. Like he just did not care. I, you know, you kind of see that this year too, and um, it, it's been the big problem. You know, and for Simmons and he's just again, I, I think you know. We talked about it. he didn't get a shot. He could be a really special player. He just, I just, I don't know what it is. I don't, I, I don't want to speculate why he just does not want to do it. Again, I think part of it is, you know, again, everyone's kind of just, you know, you know, probably admitted to him, you know, all of his life how great he was and all, and all that kind of spiel. And now, kind of, there's some issues going on, and he's again, you know, he doesn't really know how to deal with it. He doesn't want to fix it. I don't know, but yeah, you know, again, he. It's just that's been a problem. Yeah, Kyrie just it just again he's just he's just an issue, and I don't you know he's just again you, you know you, that Boston team was motivated because again you know Tatum most of those guys all played with Kyrie. They all heard the you know I was coming back and I was going to be here and I was going to be the franchise guy. That's like the one thing the Celtics are missing is that point guard spot. Like you know I, I like you know that that Celtics team would be really really good. And again, the ticket. To Kyrie in the city of Boston too, and and you know Kyrie too stepping on the logo like you 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 really asked for it you know that that Celtic team was not afraid of you, and and they showed you know they I think the Nets too thought and thought like okay they're you know we're gonna intimidate everybody we'll find a way the Celtics were not intimidated one bit and Imei Doke too being with the Nets last year too he have he absolutely knew what the yeah he, he he schemed up some really good thing because again he probably knew steve nash is not the greatest coach in the world he knew exactly what to do yeah exactly exactly now we got to get to this question whose legacy does this hurt more kd or Kyrie's? obviously Kyrie's. this definitely hurts Kyrie's legacy but Kyrie's legacy has been hurt ever since he wanted to leave lebron james he leaves lebron james then he goes to the celtics then you know he him being out actually helped the celtics get to the conference finals comes back the next year holds tatum and brown back then he signs then he signs with the nets uh he he was he, he, i think he was banged up his first year then he takes time off for no reason in year two and then uh and then in, and then in a and then this year, we all know the story with the vaccination thing. Kyrie's legacy has taken a major fall. It's all been downhill since he hit that game-winning shot against the Warriors to win the championship. It's just been all downhill for Kyrie since then. And KD, yes, it does hurt his legacy because uh, there's a lot. Of, you can argue now 
if he didn't leave, if he didn't go to Golden State, he probably wouldn't have a championship. Yes, he won two championships, but he joined Steph Curry's team. He truly joined someone else's team. When LeBron James joined the Heat, he it, it became his team. It became the Heat became LeBron James's team. It was Dwayne Wade's team until LeBron James came, and then it became his team. When Kevin Durant joined the Warriors, it was it was Steph Curry's team, and it's it continued to be Steph Curry's team. So yes, I do think this hurts Durant's legacy. And Jay Williams said it perfectly yesterday. He's always the guy who's the passenger on the bus. He's always the guy who's the passenger on the bus. He's not the leader. And, and that was and that was the thing with the Nets. Kyrie Irving was the leader, not Kevin Durant. And you cannot have Kyrie Irving be the leader of your team and and, and, and think you're a champ and be a championship team. That cannot happen. Kyrie Irving cannot be the leader of your team. And you can't be a championship team with Kyrie Irving as your leader. It's as simple as that. And I think in game four, the one positive for Durant is. I feel like he's gonna be he's 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 gonna become the guy in that team because he didn't even want to look in Kyrie's direction in Game Four. He laid his heart out. He scored thirty nine points. I feel like for the Nets to be a championship team, KD has got to be that guy, and to improve KD's legacy, he has got to be that guy with the Nets and not have Kyrie be the not have Kyrie be the guy. Yeah, you know, I think you know, sir, KD's you're kind of talking right now. Yeah, you know, he's never really the leader, and again, it just you know. Putting great game four. But I think part of it, too, that hurts his legacy is he's another guy. Again, I, I don't know if you've seen his Twitter, but all he's doing right now is, is just responding to all the hate. And it's just like why, you know, he's had all the burner accounts. Like, that doesn't help your legacy either, that you respond to all this and you're actually sitting there kind of wasting your time, you know. Again, like, you know, I, I think that's part of it. Again, yeah, he joined a Warriors team that was already stacked. He had, you know, Curry and Thompson and, you know, they were in Draymond Green and, Really good players, and then yeah, you know, couldn't get a double Russell Westbrook. Again, I think we're kind of seeing why, but yeah, you know, again, I think he really probably questions why he teamed up here with Kyrie Irving. I think that kind of hurt him as well. Um, but he's kind of you know, again, he's a terrific player, you know, and I wish he did win one Oklahoma City. Um, but yeah, he's you know, I think he made a great point. He's not the leader, you know, he's not he's not the guy right now. I yeah, and he's got to be assertive in that. But I, I don't think that's him, though. I don't think that's him. I, I think he'd rather – I know you kind of saw some flashes in game four, but uh, you got to kind of see it next year. And with Kyrie, yeah, it definitely does. You know, again, has he really played, like, what, more than 70 – probably, like, the last time he's played 70 games or more, probably with, like, the Cavaliers. Like, he really has not played the last three, four years. And that that that, that hurts. Like, you can't stay in the floor because he's a very talented player when he wants to be. But again, that's you don't know when that's ever going to be, and that's a big issue. Again, I know we've mentioned it a lot before, but again, this guy didn't want to play LeBron James. Like that, that's saying a lot about him. And yeah, it definitely hurts his legacy. Again, you know, again, he played great game one. You know, again, he came back all the trash talking. You know, you saw the two middle fingers at the fans. Again, you know, he's another guy that it does not help that you go after fans like that. It just it it doesn't help your legacy out like that. Um. But yeah, I see both of their legacies have definitely taken a step back, but more, but definitely Kyrie has definitely taken a step back more because he just does not play, and that's that's a that's a huge issue. The next question is: Is KD uh, is Kyrie still a superstar, and is KD still top five? I think the first one's easy. Kyrie being a superstar, I feel like he's not been a superstar since 2019 when he was holding Tatum. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown back in Boston. He hasn't been a superstar since then. So that's, he's absolutely not a superstar and not an elite player in this league because he's not a leader. He's talented, but he's not a leader and he doesn't make guys around him better. K is KD top five? I'm going to say right now, no. 
I'm going to say no. I'm going to say KD right now is not a top five player in the league. Now, if he becomes more of a – he's a great ta- – he's really talented. But his play in the postseason, his lack of leadership, I think takes him out of the top five. But if he becomes more of a leader next year, year in Brooklyn, I think he can get back into the top five. But currently right now, I don't have him in the top five. No, I'm with you, KD. I, got, I think Tatum takes the spot. What you saw Tatum do, I think Tatum deserves to be in the top, number five right now. I, I think defensively, too. He did a great job on KD. I, I, I have KD number six. I have Tatum number five right now. Um, that could obviously flip up next year. Yeah, that more definitely the Nets can kind of get back there and you know go on a run here, win a title. I think it, you know, KD can easily get back there because he's got so much talent in the world and he certainly could get back in there. Um, with Kyrie, yeah, he he, he really has in the last three or four years, and you're right, he just does not make anybody around him better. And that's you know, the great players can do that. Kyrie hasn't been able to do that. and I think Kyrie has a lot of me, me, me in him. And I think that has held him back as well. And, I, you know, he's – and, again, that's not a good teammate and that does not make guys around you better, as we mentioned. And, yeah, so I, I don't think Kyrie's a superstar either. I, You know, he, as you mentioned too, he, he's, he's a horrible leader. He just – again, you're not showing up. Yeah, the year two stuff of just not – just not wanting to play is just, it's just totally ridiculous. I – Again, I know you're not supposed to scream at your superstars, but if I was a GM or owner, I, I would have really given him a piece of my mind because that that that's that's ridiculous. It's your job and you're getting paid millions of dollars to play a basketball game and get don't want to. I just it, again, it's I don't get the reasoning for it. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So now we got to move on to the Sixers and the Sixers. We all thought they were going to roll past the Raptors, but then Embiid has a thumb injury. They lose Game Four. We still thinking Game Five without Van Fleet. Oh, they, they might end up they might uh end up uh you know winning the series in five, but an absolutely disgraceful performance on Monday. The team only scores eighty eight points, and James Harden has proven right now that he's not a top fifteen player in this league. He can't beat guys off the dribble the way he used to. He can't shoot the ball the way he used to. He's not a top fifteen player, and and honestly, it's crazy to even think who got the better of the trade, the Sixers or Nets, because it's looking bad for both teams right now. And I still think I think the big question is. Uh, can the Sixers blow this? Can they make history and be the first team to have a 3-0 lead and, and not win a series? I think it's possible. I still think they they, they, they win it in seven because the, I don't know what, what Van Fleet's status is right now for the Raptors. But if, if Butler's back for the Heat in the second round, they got no shot at being the Miami Heat with the way they're playing right now. No, you know, and I kind of mentioned what happens when they can't get to the line. Like James Harden can't get to the line. He went to the line the other night six times. Shot 38% from the field. They didn't run any pick and roll. And I don't know if that's because, you know, beats thumb hurts or whatnot. But it's like James Harden, he doesn't even hustle it on the floor anymore. He just he just jocks. Like, he just – he's been horrible. Um, you know, he, he totally been horrible. Toronto, you know, Siakam's been really good. Pizza Chewy had a really good game. Yeah, you know, I, again, look at Doc. Doc's had a lot of history of – blowing series too like they again there's a long list i won't go through it it's a long list i wouldn't be shocked either i think they do find a way because I, I think they are more talented the, the raptors are even trying a very good team they have to find a way but yeah i i, I think i'm very worried right now with the sixers it, it's an uphill collapse again the bench just has not they you know bench is inconsistent they don't get much off of that so yeah right now for the sixers they they they're really struggling right now and they you know, they got no shot against Miami. 
because um, it does not sound like Embi- Embiid needs surgery to get that thumb healthy, and that's not happening, obviously, till they lose. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're in big trouble right now. Yeah, I mean, I mean, with uh, with Embiid being banged up, and and the thing with Embiid being banged up is Maxi's not the same. You saw in games, uh, in games four, uh, four and five, Maxi wasn't even close to the same as he was in games uh, in the first three games of the series because not you don't have to double Embiid in the post. He's not as effective, I and mean, he's not definitely not the he's scoring. He's still good, really good, but he's not the same player when he's banged up than when he's healthy. When he's healthy, he's a top five player in the league. When he's not, he's not the same player. So that. You know, Maxi gets worse because Embiid's not as good. And uh, yeah, I definitely could see this being a collapse, but I do think the Sixers squeak it out. Yeah, I do too. I, I think they'll find a way in Game Seven and get the win. But again, I could see Toronto being up late in that game, and somehow Philly finds a way to close it out. But yeah, I would not be shocked either if Toronto somehow comes back and wins this game. Absolutely, 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 absolutely. So moving over onto the Western Conference uh, on Sunday, the Nuggets beat the Warriors. Uh, Jokic had a big game. But the big question is: Do the do the do the Warriors have do the Nuggets have any chance of getting back in the series against the Warriors? And I say no because I think the Warriors are playing better than any team in the NBA right now with Clay, with Steph, with Jordan Poole. They're playing better than anyone right now. I think they're the team to beat. That's why I think tonight they easily win this in five. Yeah, I think they win this one too. But you know, I know we're talking about legacy a minute ago, but like Joe Kate deserves a lot of credit to somehow put you know. The way he's been able to put the team on his back and, and his skill level. Um, again, I would love to see Jamal Murray and, and them, them have Michael Porter Jr. because I think it would have been a really fantastic series. Um, but, you know, Joe is a special player. But, yeah, I, I don't think there's any way they go to San Francisco tonight and knock off the Warriors. The Warriors won the first two games in San Francisco by an average 18 points. I think, yeah, I think the Warriors get back on track. I think Curry shoots the ball better tonight. I think Jordan Poole shoots the ball better tonight. And the Warriors win the sink. Um, maybe close for a half, but. By the same half, I think the Warriors blow them out. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I, th- I think the Warriors win this easy and get to the second round. But we got a recap of what happened last night, and how about John Morant? And the thing was, is John Morant wasn't having that good of a game until that dunk. But once he had that dunk, he turned it around, and he took over, and he played like a super bo- superstar. He put the team on his back, which he needed to because he didn't play well in games three or games in game four or game four. But he put his team on his back last night. Had the had the big three to put them up one, and he had the big layup at the end. He was outstanding. He had thirty points and nine assists to put the Grizzlies up three two. The big question is, what do the Grizzlies got to do to close out the series on Thursday night? Continue to have Ja take over like he did in the fourth quarter. But I feel like Ja's got to do it from the start. He's had some issues doing it from the start the last three games. I feel like Ja's got to take over from the start. Do not give the Timberwolves a chance. Be great from the start of that game. And I think if he's great from the start, I think the Grizzlies take care of business and get to the second round. Yeah, you know, I think for the Grizzlies, yeah, John Moran had a great fourth quarter after really showing the first three quarters. He got it going there in the fourth and put him on the back there. Yeah, won him the big game there because it seemed like, you know, down down by uh, 13 points there. Seemed that they were in a lot of trouble. Um, But, yeah, I think for the Grizzlies here to win this game, or the win game six, I think, you know, obviously for Morant, has got to continue to, to kind of bounce off what he did there in game five. But I also think, too, for the Grizzlies is, you know, they got to keep being relentless on the off of the glass. They've done a great job getting second chance points. Um, Clark had a, did a, I think he had nine offensive rebounds yesterday or something like, you know, the Grizzlies really have been attacking the glass, um, getting a lot of second chance points. I think that's a huge thing there for, Minnesota, or for Memphis. 
Um, they've been really good in that area, especially when that offense goes cold at times. You know, their second chance points there um, could be really important for for the Grizzlies to kind of help them stick around while they kind of go through a cold streak. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. 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 So now for the uh, Timberwolves, what do they have to do to come back and win this series? I think there's two things that D'Angelo Russell has got to step it up. He only has 13. He's only averaged 13 points a game in this postseason. And a lot of people thought outside of John Morant, the, the, the three, the top three players in the series would be Katz, Edwards and Russell. That's not been the case. Uh, Russell's got to step up. Number two, they got to have either Edward. I know Edwards hit the big shot last night, but they got to have either Edwards or Carl Anthony Towns take over the game in the fourth quarter. They didn't do that in games three and five. And yes, Chris Finch made a big mistake not calling a timeout in game three and letting the Grizzlies go on a 21-0 run. But if if, if Edwards and Towns are going to be great, one of those two guys has got to step up in the fourth quarter. Neither did in either in either games three or five. Ed Towns did in game four. One of those two guys has got to step up like that. If the Timberwolves in both games, if the Timberwolves want to get to the second round, yeah, you know, for the Timberwolves to stay alive here and kind of get to um, be able to get to the advanced second round, yeah, I think they need Carl Anthony Towns to have foul trouble in this game. Um, you know, he's done a pretty good job, but again, like late in the fourth quarter, you're going to need him on the floor to make some plays for you. Um, so he's got to stay out of foul trouble there in, in game number six. I think also a huge thing has been their turnovers. They have, they've been averaging 18 turns a game this series, and Again, with how high flying you know Moran is, Jackson, they got a lot of skill. Again, you can't give them easy points like that because it, it, it's going to mean the difference. It, it, and it has hurt them in a couple games. I feel like this series. So I think for them, they got to be able to, um, you know, stay with the turnover bug. And I think they need somebody off the bench. You know, they need somebody off the bench to the score because in their two victories, you know, Malik Beasley had 15, and um, Jeremy Glorn, you know, had 18. You know, in the two wins, so. When they get somebody off the bench, you know, they've been able to win this, you know, win the win games this year. So I, I think they need somebody off the bench, you know, in, in game number six to kind of help out, you know, will they get Russell going too? I think, yeah, as you mentioned, that would be a huge piece, piece too, you know, uh, kind of getting those guys going because um, having like that fourth score, if you can get Russell going, you can get somebody off that bench, you know, it's going to be very tough to beat them. Absolutely, absolutely. So the Suns beat the Pelicans last night, 112-97, to go up 3-2 in their series. Uh, so the series goes back to New Orleans. Chris Paul trying to go back to trying to trying to close out a series in New Orleans, trying to close out the series in New Orleans. And I think for the Suns to close out the series, Chris Paul has got to come out like he did last night, saying that we're not losing this game. I, I'm going to make sure this team doesn't lose this game. He's got to come out with that same mentality in game six like he did in game five he can't come out with the mentality he did at the beginning of game three or in game four he's got to come out with the mentality he had in game five that's going to be that's if that happens i think the suns close out this series yeah i'm with you i think yeah uh good ball yeah had a tough couple games there but yeah he played really well last night yeah he, he need they, they they definitely need that from home again um especially without Devonte. um yeah without booker um they, they, they really need him to um have a really, you know, they, they're going to need him to be a scorer. And I think like a guy like Mikel Bridges last night who stepped up, you know, that that's what they're going to need without Booker, you know, for how long he's going to be out. Um, I think they need hit, they need somebody like that to have a big outing for him to kind of take some pressure, even off Chris Paul there, you know, um, to, to be able to win that series. So I, I think for Bridges, again, he continue to be a scorer like he was. And yeah, if Chris Paul can kind of continue what he did in game number five and kind of, progress that um i the 
Phoenix should wrap this thing up. Absolutely, absolutely. So for the Pelicans to try to come back and win the series, what they're going to need is they're going to need someone else outside of McCollum, Ingram, or Valanciunas to step up, which really hasn't happened in the series. They need they need uh they they need they need someone else to step up in the series. So uh, I, I, that that's the only way I can see the Pelicans coming back and winning this series. Yeah, um, yeah, they definitely do. They need somebody outside of that top three there to get going, um, and kind of get to kind of take some pressure off them. You know, I, Ingram's had a really unbelievable series, and it was you know uh, Bengal Tunis. I think that that's my other key thing for this series or for Pelicans is. The offensive rebound, too. They've been, you know, in the two victories, they've been really good in the offensive glass. You know, I, they have for the whole series, but in the two games specifically, they, they've really dominated that offensive glass with Valanciunas. I, they got to continue to do that, take kind of advantage of that, get a lot of second-chance points off of their misses. They did not shoot the ball well last night. If they could get turn that into a lot of second-chance opportunities, um, could be really key to help them kind of find a way to get back in that series. Um, but also at your point as well is, yeah, they, they need somebody outside that top three there to get going for them. Um, just, again, I, you know, they, they can't, it, they're, they're going to fall in game six. Absolutely. Absolutely. So before we get to the jazz and the Mavs, we'll get a comment. we got a comment from Xander Victor Villadipo showing last night. He goes, yeah, you definitely can. And that's going to strengthen that bench. That is really going to strengthen that bench. And if Butler's healthy, I think the Heat got a really good chance to win the East. If Butler is healthy, I mean, with him, with Bam, with Hero, with with Victor, I think I, I'm and you obviously you got one of the best coaches in the NBA, and Eric Spolstra, probably the best culture in the NBA. Uh, I, I I really like the Chiefs' chances to win the East if Old Depot could play the way he played last night. Yeah, if yeah, he's played well um, in the playoffs. They they, they definitely kind of need him without Butler last night. He played well coming off the injury. Um, you know, he hasn't played. He's still getting his legs underneath him. But yeah, if they can get another performance like that from him. Um, yeah, they, they're going to be tough to beat because they got a lot of shooters. Him, Hero, Robinson. Oh yeah, the the, the Heat right now. Um, they're they're playing really well. And again, the, we just talked about the Sixers. Again, Embiid's not healthy. Again, the Heat should probably should roll through uh, Philadelphia. Absolutely. So we'll wrap up with the Mavs and the Jazz. Uh, Mavericks lead the series three games to two, heading to Utah for game six. But this series, if Luka was healthy, it should be over. And if Dwight Powell could have a free throw, it would be over. So the, the Jazz are very lucky they're still in this series. I think this team is a mess. I think this team uh, they, they, this team is just – I think the way, I think with the way this team is constructed, they are never winning a championship. Five years, they have not gotten to the conference finals. Obviously, lost in the first round in Mitchell's rookie year. Lost in the second round in Mitchell's rookie year. Lost in the first round the next two years. And then last year, being the number one seed without Kawhi Leonard, they couldn't even get to the conference finals. This team, And then this year, they get three games without Luka. They lose two out of those three games. This team needs to get broken up. They either got to get rid of Mitchell. They either got, and that would be they would be starting over, but... But but the, at this point, they're not going going anywhere, anywhere with him being their best player. They got to maybe get rid of Gobert. Do something, blow this thing up. The Jazz cannot come back the way they were the, the way they are next season. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, you know, and I know, you know, after the Gobert stuff in twenty twenty two, or I mean in twenty twenty with the you know COVID stuff kind of broke up that locker room, and I just don't think it's kind of been the same. I know before they've kind of had their struggles, but yeah, I just don't think it's right in there. Something needs to change, you know. Unfortunately, if it's Donovan Mitchell leaving, you know, again that that would really hurt. But yeah, it just it just this core has not worked out in the playoffs. Um, they and again they just have not shot the ball well at all this series, and they've been they were the best offensive team coming in, and they just have not shot the ball well. You know, Dallas has done a great job defensively, but it, it is pretty um, surprising how bad they shot the basketball. Just 
it's probably time to maybe change some things up in Utah. Absolutely. And the last question is, can Luca Lucas came back at two games where he scored over 30 points. Can he carry this team to the finals? I think he, if Devin Booker doesn't play, they win the next series. I think they get to the conference finals, but I think Golden State's going to be too much for them uh, in the if they get to, if they get to the conference finals. But I do think they win next series. I think they do win the next series if Devin Booker doesn't play. Yeah, if Booker's out. I think they have a very good shot at being the Suns. But yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't think they have enough to to beat the Warriors. You know, I don't think they have enough scoring. Um, he's been great. You know, Jalen Burton's been really really good. Um, but yeah, outside of those two, I don't know. Cause they consistently get a number three score like the Warriors have. And I just don't think so. And I think that would make the difference in the Western Conference final. Luca's good enough. He'll definitely get Dallas to one at some point, but I don't think it'll be this year. Yeah. I definitely think he's going to win a title. I mean, he's that good. He's top five, but I just don't think he has enough around him to beat a golden state this year, but that's going to wrap it up on sports talk with RJ for our producer, Jace Garcia did a great job. And for Justin D'Onofrio, I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week. Recapping the draft, talking NBA playoffs, talking baseball, talking NHL playoffs, and the Kentucky Derby. Have a great weekend, everyone. Jones on the first down, wide open, it's Barkley. And Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this. They lob it to him. He taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball. Hands down. Finch, two for three. He's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball. Because the Yankees are not. They're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. Hello, my name is Joe Aguirre. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Man. And great true crime shows like Sticky Meat, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Burn, The Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com.